Hi, and welcome to Zurich's Perspectives, Zurich Canada's podcast, where we deliver insights and thought leadership on the insurance market and more broadly on risk. Last week, we had Sad Mored, Chief Agent and CEO of Zurich Canada, give us a stake on the company's performance in 2020, as well as his views on the market. This week, I'm pleased to welcome two very distinguished guests to share their insights on programs in the market, the opportunities and challenges in that customer segment, and the role Zurich intends to play. Greg Irvine wears a couple of hats at Zurich. He's the head of specialties, but he also runs programs in MGAs. Greg has been with Zurich for eight years. Jeff Kislasko manages the programs team. He joined Zurich last summer from Allianz Midcorp. In this podcast, our guests will take us behind the scene and help us understand how to stay profitable in programs, why certain markets have been in and out of that segment, and what Zurich plans to grow in 2021 and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to Zurich's Perspectives. Um, so, Greg, I'll start with you. Um, how long has Zurich, Zurich been writing programs in Canada? We started operations in 2019 with one underwriter. Today, we've grown to 10 underwriters, a diverse portfolio of over 25 programs. But was there a point of time in the past where Zurich was writing uh, programs and then you guys came back in? So what, what, what happened in, in the interim? What, what triggered the renewed interest of Zurich Canada to go back into programs? That's a, that's a good question. So we left the programs market in 2012. We had a similar size team and a similar, similar size book. Uh, to answer, you know, to be honest, we, we left because it wasn't performing. It wasn't meeting our financial um, requirements for that type of capital and those lines of business. Uh, at that point in the market, to give you an example, rates were about 50% where they were today. So if that was the bottom of the market, we uh, we decided to exit. I know brokers on the line or want to hear that the Zurich capacity or insured capacity is stable. But unfortunately, insurers like to hear that premium rates and pricing is stable. So um, if it's not, um, Zurich has left segments before that, that don't need our, our hurdle rate um, or our return for our shareholders. And unfortunately, that was the case in 2012. Right. So I think it makes sense, right? I think shareholders, investors expect a decent return on their investment. And when that when they're not getting that return, then they find alternative um, investments, right? And we don't want Zurich shareholders to go and find other alternative sources of, of return. So it is imperative for Zurich Canada to maintain a certain level of return on capital. Otherwise, we can't make that argument, right? Yeah, it's, I think it's a difficult concept because insurance isn't tangible, right? But if you were thinking about a, a widget manufacturer, if the product wasn't profitable, they would stop selling it. So for those in the call, I ask you to think the same way about about insurance. You know, if we think about a, a larger program, let's talk about like BC Strata, real estate in Western Canada. Uh, those programs require anywhere between $5 billion and $15 billion of capital. Um, and with, with that much with that much at stake for a large insurance company like, like Zurich, we require uh, a return on that capital. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what's the definition of programs? How do you guys define programs? Yeah, for, for us, it's pr- primarily smaller business, smaller type companies, homogeneous type business. You know, it could be anything from, you know, franchises to associations to, to realty like Stratus, like Greg just mentioned. Um, a little different than our competitors. We generally don't define 
programs is delegating authority. We have a lot of programs, a lot of large franchisee programs we, where we don't delegate authority uh, that we consider programs. We also can write MGAs, so we'll put up you know, some capacity uh, with some of our MGA partners, you know, property liability, uh, kind of multi-line. So, you know, that would be kind of our definition. You know, we're really looking for programs that are, you know, 5 million in volume and above, just so we've got the critical mass and the uh, the experience to kind of the back the program we want to write. Does everybody in the market has the same um, um, definition of programs or, or will insurance companies vary in their um, definition uh. of programs? Yeah, I think they would vary. There, there are certain companies that will only define programs as, you know, full delegated authority. We don't define it that way. You know, certain program divisions will also look at smaller uh, program opportunities as well. So I think it varies. You know, certain companies also do, you know, kind of more heterogeneous uh, type programs where the, the risk profile is a little more diverse. Uh, you know, you might have, you know, five or six segments within the program, whereas we're a little more... Uh, uh, streamline and you know, kind of focus on the homogeneous classes. Um, you have any idea for the size of the market in Canada? Um, how, billions of dollars, number of programs, and what? How many of those programs do you guys have? Why don't I, why don't I start on that one? Because I did like the business case, and then Jeff can correct me. But um, I think Jeff mentioned this. But there's you can distribute a program with traditional wages through a retail insurance broker. There's also a large segment in Canada called Managing General Agents or MGA. So if we include MGAs, that segment alone, we've got $1.3 billion in GWP, gross written um, premium. And if you if you wanted to include the additional distribution channel of retail brokers, it would double that. So so roughly, let's call it two and a half to three billion. It's hard to give you an accurate number mm-hmm. because these aren't disclosed to OSFI, these aren't disclosed to regulators. And and on the retail broker side, some programs might not be in a program's department. Uh, franchisees, for example, might be marketed by the same team that would market the, the corporate side. So a difficult answer, but I'm going to stick with two and a half to three billion. How many programs do you guys did you guys write in 2020? Um, or let me rephrase that question. You were you you've been back in that space since January 1, 2019. So after 24 months, how many programs do you guys have in your portfolio? I'll pass this to Jeff, but a lot more since Jeff joined the team at August. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Last year we we added fifteen programs uh-huh. uh, in a twelve month uh, span. So I know we added uh, five, you know, earlier on in the year, and then when we joined uh, back in August, we we added another ten uh, in, in Q four, which is a little you know unusual. Normally, most insurance companies will onboard two to three programs a year. Uh, but obviously, you know, we've got the bandwidth and the staff to kind of do that. I think to total right now, we've got a, just over 20, I think 23 programs in total. Um, we're onboarding, you know, I think this year target probably about five to six uh, new programs in 2021. So we'll be well over 30 programs by the end of this year. So a formidable, I guess, you know, program player in the Canadian marketplace, I'd say, you know, probably top three uh, in terms of kind of presence where we kind of want to be. Let's talk about Strata for a second, because within the world of programs, Strata sort of represents a, a, an interesting sub-segment, and it's a very frequent topic uh, amongst brokers at West. Um, can you help us understand Strata, what it means, um, what, what it means for an underwriter, what's unique about a Strata program versus other types of programs? 
I, I could probably start and Greg can probably get into the, the nitty gritty when it comes to the numbers and the, and the capital costs and whatnot. But, you know, it's funny, Stratas, you know, I've been writing Stratas for probably, I don't know, 13, 14 years. And, you know, Strata doesn't really mean anything. You know, it's, it's in like Ontario, they call them condo corporations or in Alberta, they're condo corporations. Out West in BC, they're, they're stratified corporations. So basically the building itself is owned uh, by the stratified, uh, I guess, corporations. So the unit owners make up that strata corporation. Um, and obviously we're insuring you know, the, the, the building itself, the common elements, uh, you know, we insure anywhere from, you know, townhouse complexes to, you know, condo buildings, you know, frame of condo buildings are the big uh, fires of towers you'll see in downtown Vancouver. But there really isn't much of a difference between, you know, a strata and a condo corporation. You ask most of the, the key brokers out west, you know, no one really knows where the word strata came from. Uh, but, uh, you know, for, for us, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty similar amongst the, the the brokers we deal with. You know, a condo is a condo, a strata is a strata. Um, obviously, it's massive capacity we put up. I think we put up close to forty billion in a capacity in the province of BC, uh, which is a huge endeavor from a capital cost uh, requirement that Greg mentioned earlier. You know, Greg, if you want to add anything. Yeah, but if I could add, you know, you didn't specifically mention this, but, but strata has been getting a lot of airtime in the Canadian press and specifically out west. In British Columbia, and a lot of that has to do with pricing. So we certainly emphasize with, with customers out there that are dealing with significant rate increases, and uh, the regulatory bodies are, are attempting to help. But really, I want to make the point that you know this this capital, uh, the word I keep referring to, right? We're competing with other parts of Zurich, right, and other companies about how to deploy that. So unfortunately, this means that owners of stratified properties in British Columbia need a lot of capital to insure these, these, these buildings, and they're competing with other buyers of insurance coverage around the world. And ultimately in a free market, you know, the price is gonna be decided with you know, where the best return for that deployment is. And unfortunately, this is why oh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna propose, this explains some of the volatility with insurance carriers getting into BC strata and then leaving quickly because they found other places uh, to invest that money for their shareholders. Right, because the point you're making is not just valid for Zurich. This is true of all of our peers, especially global insurance companies that have the ability to deploy their capital across continents, geographies, and countries, right? So if you can get more capital, return on your capital out of BC versus Japan or versus Chile, you're going where the money is, right? Yeah, so the one thing I like about programs, it's a little bit different than, than typical property and casualty underwriting where you can look at the history on an account and you can try to predict future losses and therefore almost reverse engineer your future premium. You know, in, in programs, like Jeff said, we're touching almost every postal code in the country. So we're, we're very, what keeps me up at night is, is CAT events or natural catastrophes. So this is where there's a surcharge on top of what your historical property and casualty losses would be for that capital, right? For that risk of that fire, for the risk of the earthquake or the flood um, or a global pandemic for that matter. Uh, and that and that is where I think Zurich has a competitive advantage in that we've got a lot of, of science, we got a lot of actuarial data behind this and we're trying to take that risk and put it into actual print. That's, that's a significant challenge in pricing the programs on Jeff's team. Right, because when we talk about natural catastrophes, it's, it goes obviously beyond quake, it's flood, it's hail, right? You guys write a number of programs in Alberta. Um, it's wildfire. So programs come with uh, a lot of really sort of natural catastrophes potentially attached to these programs, 
right? Yeah, um, it, de- it depends on the program, right? The, the underwriting expertise and the underwriter might vary for, for strata. Obviously, we're worried about, about quake for golf courses. We're worried about flood. Um, for retail, where you could you could think of, of large lawsuits, and again, the pandemic was a good example of you, you can have you can have cat events that may not be property related. Um, what am I missing, Jeff? Greenhouses, wind, sawmills. Are you, right? are you able to model all of these risks, um, Greg? Um, or sometimes you just have to take a, a leap of faith here in terms of pricing. Well, my boss is listening. Yes, we have a model for everything, but, but realistically, Canada's got gray modeling. We rely on, on a bunch of vendors and third parties to give us that modeling. But but some cats, um, non-quake, non-flood, are behind in terms of where the science should be in 2021. Uh-huh. Hence the surcharge. Hence the surcharge. Uh-huh. Um, Greg, um, you talked about... Um, so you talked about natural catastrophes. You talked about return on capital. So the conversation with brokers, it's not just about the loss ratio. It's about the loss ratio and the expected return on capital. Um, how, many, how many insurance companies do you think are in, are in the program space today in Canada? I mean, is this, a, is this a busy segment? Is there a lot of capacity coming back because rates are high? Or um, where are we in the cycle if you had a crystal ball? Where do you think we are right now? I think a lot's changed in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. I think we've seen a lot of insurance companies exit, you know, kind of started with Lloyd's uh, capacity, probably, you know, starting two years ago, you know, withdrawing some of their capacity from the program space. A few of the other larger insurance companies in Canada, you know, one I used to work at exited as well. So I think, you know, the Zurich timing to get back in is is probably the best for, for brokers and MGAs alike, just because capacity has kind of dried up. Uh, to a certain degree, you know, companies that were in programs largely, uh, you know, for years are still in it, but, you know, they've, they've curbed their capacity. They've exited some of the larger kind of cat driven programs or reduced their shares on, on certain programs. So, you know, five, six years ago, there was probably, you know, six to eight key uh, insurers in Canada that were, you know, competing with on a daily basis, you know, I would say that's probably been cut down to, to, to half in terms of companies that are actively aggressively looking for new program opportunities or looking at growing their programs book. So, you know, a great time for us to, to re-enter the market. Um, but I'm sure, you know, once, you know, uh, you know, companies see, you know, the returns that, you know, certain companies are getting on some of this capital that there will be entrance back in the market space. You know, we've seen it. I've seen it on Stratus happen two times uh, over the past, you know, 10 to 15 years. So it's inevitable uh, when more capacity will enter in. I think, you know, the one thing when it comes to, you know, bringing it back to Stratus, you know, I think lessons have finally been learned, uh, you know, about the the cost of capital, you know, regarding, you know, CAD exposures and, you know, those programs need to operate at a fairly low loss ratio to, you know, subsidize, you know, the, 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 the quake exposure or the flood exposure or the hail exposure or wildfire exposure, right? So, you know, hopefully things will be a little more, I say, you know, uh, I, I say realistic, but, you know, with more of a long-term lens where, you know, companies are coming and going, you know, looking to make a quick buck because, you know, when we write a program or when I've written a program in the past, you know, you want to be on that program for 5, 10, 15, 20 years as long as, as possible, assuming you're getting that return, obviously. 
Um, so I, wanted, I wanted to jump in here, Alvin, if, if please. I could, because you both make good points, right? This is the cyclical industry, and we're, we're at a peak now in one of the cycles, and, and new capacity will, will be interested in making returns. I'm repeating myself, right? But there's some barriers to entry in this business, and, and one area where I think Zurich's done a lot of work that should make it sustainable is on the operational side, because it's not just losses we're paying for. It costs a lot of money to run a big insurance company, especially when we've got 30,000 customers that need policies, they need risk services, they need claims paid. So one thing we've done, that's a lot in IT. So we get real-time API feeds. So that's um, a real-time exchange of information on claims when we use third-party administrators, when Zurich doesn't handle the claims ourselves. We also don't have an army of people that manually input um, premiums and terms and conditions into our computer systems. That's all done through what I call robots uh, but they're, they're upload tools. So we've taken a lot of the manual data processing out of the programs business, which is an area that Zurich failed last time we were in this segment. So that's going to give us an advantage, we feel, over our competitors with a lower expense ratio, which is sustainable. Uh, so, Greg, I'm glad you're taking the conversation towards sort of value-added services. Um, embedded in the conversation here is obviously property is 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 front and center in, in the assessment of of you know, program underwriting, but what other sort of additional services are you guys thinking about in terms of um, bringing some, some, you know, increasing the level of retention of of this customer base, um, enhancing the value proposition that you're bringing to the market um, beyond, I would say, offering a ton of capacity, which is, you know, critical, but um, where do you go from there? I'm glad you asked this question. Uh, risk engineering has been on my mind really since I, I took the leadership role for programs. You know, Zurich's got 10 risk engineers in Canada, not just focused on property, but they've got GL expertise as well. And how can we get that to the actual, to our actual customers? These are small businesses. They want to know what Zurich knows about risk management and they don't have access to those resources. You know, the, the challenge this year was in the pandemic. How do you get out and how do you do spite, site inspections? So let's assume that's behind us. Um, we, we can do virtual assessments, um, but, but where I was going is, is this is about resiliency, which is a word Zurich uses a lot. How do we get that information into the hands of, of our communities? How do we make sure they're resilient when it comes to natural disasters? So that's, that's the challenge that I, I've thrown to Jeff, um, whether, it's, whether it's a virtual solution, whether it is boots on the ground, um, but that's certainly an expertise that, that Zurich has that we'd like to get into the hands of our customers. Jeff, you want to add to that, or no? I think that's you know right up, right on, nail right on the head there. I think you know obviously you know we've hired a, a great team as well. Um, you know, outside of risk services, you know we've probably got you know the underwriting team itself, two hundred years plus experience within the program space, so we're able to turn around new opportunities you know relatively quickly you know being you know a part of a large global organization like Zurich you know we have the ability to write you know and offer you know quite a few different coverages uh for for a more unique program so you know we don't only write you know property and casualty programs you know we can obviously consider financial lines programs you know uh, DNO uh cyber uh and the like so we have the ability to kind of offer many different products uh, through our programs or even on a standalone basis. Thank you. Uh, final question, gentlemen, uh, for each of you. In these sort of COVID times, um, what do you guys do f- to stay healthy, to stay sane of mind? Um, and um, so, you know, what do you guys do when you're not working? Um, 
from your home office. So yeah, I'm going to default to sports. I, uh, I joined the, the bubble tennis club and it's, it's been non-operational um, <laughs> or, or safe for the last few months. So instead I, uh, I build a, a chipping course in my garage. So I go out and I chip balls and I putt balls to say same during the winter months. And I've seen a video. It's very impressive. Jeff. Yeah. For me, funny enough, I, I got a PlayStation five uh, end of last year. So I assumed I'd be doing a lot of gaming. Uh, we had a, I had a son, um, my wife and I had a son, you know, six weeks ago. So I haven't turned it on since last year. So my, my plans were to, you know, maybe do a little gaming. Funny enough, we were playing a lot of golf online with some of our friends, but that's, you know, taking a backseat to, uh, to raising a child, which apparently is a lot of, a lot more work than I assumed it was going to be, but, uh, <laughs> Jeff and Greg, thank you so much for joining us today on Zurich Perspectives. Thank you for your time and your input. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation with Greg and Jeff this afternoon, two experts in their field of programs and MGAs. Zurich clearly came back at a very opportune time two years ago in that customer segment. We talked about disaster Natural catastrophes, cat modeling, return on capital, very intense competition still, uh, even though there are fewer insurance companies in that space than there were maybe five or six years ago. Uh, where we are in the, in the cycle, very, always very difficult to do, and only the market knows where we're going. As always, you can find the podcast on Zurich Canada's website, ZurichCanada.com, and also send us suggestions for future podcasts. Thank you. Take care of yourselves and be safe. information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.